Today is Monday, November 28, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Iran's soccer team makes a dramatic request ahead of its crucial game versus the United States in the World Cup. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Joining me as always to get through the news of the cray, CBN's Billy Hallowell and Tregon's Phillips. Happy Monday, guys. After a long Thanksgiving weekend, how y'all doing? You know, I'm excited to be here, but it was not long enough. I wanted like another day or two, <laughs> I but I am I am happy. I am pumped to be here. <laughs> right. I, I always think that the Thanksgiving break is like the teaser for when we have Christmas breaks. And yeah. you're like, it's already over, but you know, you get to look forward to in a few weeks. You get a few days off for Christmas and it's, it's all good. Yeah. Well, and I'm a little extra sad because we did, we finally ran out of our turkey and we've been uh, eating it for nonstop for sandwiches and soups and, and all this other stuff for the last couple of days. It's been great, but now it's gone and I'm a little sad. I might, I might just well, I'll go to Wawa because they have a turkey cobbler. I'll probably just do that. Ugh, sorry. <laughs> Ugh, that, that actually made me uncomfortable. But yeah, no, I, uh, <laughs> I, I love turkey and I cannot wait for next year already. I can't wait for next yeah. Thanksgiving. So. <laughs> Billy's already planning his He's menu already- for Thanksgiving <laughs> yeah. 2023. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, I uh, hope you all had a great Thanksgiving at home as well. And we got a lot to cover on the podcast today, including a Christian organization that was um, attacked really um and we'll we'll talk about the details there also anti-semitism on the rise we're going to cover that on the main thing with madison seals but first we're going to go through the news here in 90 seconds and iran wants the u.s soccer team booted from the 2022 world cup this according to iranian state media the reason because the u.s soccer team changed iran's flag on its social media for 24 hours to quote show support for the women in Iran fighting for basic human rights. It's convenient timing for the request because the U.S. is playing Iran uh, tomorrow at 2 p.m. in a critical game that both teams need to advance. Iran's never made it past this group stage of the World Cup, so um, kind of ironic there that Iran is making this dramatic request. Anyone looking to sell their home could be in for a rude awakening as the residential real estate market has screeched to a halt. Some economists and experts are saying that prices could drop even more. Why? Because we've already seen home sales fall for nine straight months. Supplies high and mortgage rates are close to 7%. So how bad will it get? That's the question still being debated. They're not sure where the bottom is on this. We'll keep an eye on it on CBNNews.com. And the Wyoming Rescue Mission, a Christian organization that helps people in need, they won a key religious freedom uh, legal battle after facing charges earlier this year when a non-Christian applicant sued the organization for discrimination when they were not hired. So a big victory there. Those are just some of the day's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. Guys, a lot going on. And uh, the housing market, I find interesting. All the, I mean, comment on any of those stories if you want, but the housing market's an interesting one because I don't know if you saw it in your your neighborhood over the summer, but houses were just going like hotcakes. I mean, people put them up and they'd go way overpriced. The, the bidding wars were on. And now that appears, appears to be coming to an end. Yeah, especially here in New York where people were trying to flee the city after COVID and yeah. kind of get more space, they would come up to the suburbs and, you know, it seems to have slowed down, but the interest rate, every, that's what everybody's talking about. I mean, nobody wants to have a yeah. 6.5 or 7% interest rate. Of course, it used to be way higher years ago, but for the last 10 plus years, it's been, you know, 
2.5 to yeah. 4%. And so that's a, that's a big difference in a mortgage, right? Oh yeah. So, yeah. It's wild. And to think that there are all of these houses that are like in my, I'm in central Virginia and all these homes that are being sold for like twice their value yeah. almost. And it's going to be, it, it's it's going to be tough when you see all of these prices come crashing down and people yeah. bought all of these homes for way more money than they were worth. Uh, gratefully, I and you know several people I know were able to get in when interest rates were low and they you've got a good house for a good price. But at this point, the houses are the prices are just so overblown. It's just not sustainable. No, it's not. And like Billy said, especially with that interest rate, I mean, it's just you know it makes it difficult because you can obviously afford a lot more when you know, from a sales price perspective when the rates are lower, but, um, yeah, when it, when it goes up like that and you just, you factor that in with all the other things going on in the economy right now. And, um, that's probably the last thing we need is, is a really big collapse on the housing market. Um, but also that, uh, Wyoming rescue mission, that was good to see that victory because this was another one of those cases guys where Christians kind of getting targeted. This is a Christian organization that tries to help um, specifically with Christ at the center of them helping the needy. And that's what their executive director, Brad Hopkins, said, that he's grateful because he said it's it's kind of what we're all about, to keep Christ at the center of this. And it requires people who share belief in Christ in order to keep Christ at the center of it. So you see these kind of lawsuits and these legal cases that come against Christian organizations. We're seeing more of them, so it's good to see this one hold up legally. Yeah. And I think we're going to continue to see more of them because I think the goal is keep chipping away and keep fighting yeah. until you finally get to erode religious liberty in some way. Right. Yep. And so that fight is not going to stop with these victories. We're going to continue to see it unfold. Mm-hmm. You know, and so often we don't talk about the response from these Christian organizations yeah. when they face these kinds of legal attacks or the kinds of attacks we're about to talk about in this next story. But so often Christians respond in grace, which is what we're called to do. Uh, and I think those are worth highlighting, right? Is not just the attack, but the way that Christians and the organizations associated with them responded to these attacks because they're very countercultural, their responses often. Yeah, indeed. Absolutely. So. All right, well, let's get into that next story. And a Christian ministry was defaced on Thanksgiving morning. Police are investigating. Billy, what's going on here? Yeah, so it's an organization that most Christians are going to be very familiar with. Focus on the family out in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Their main sign, you know, at the headquarters was vandalized, spray painted uh, with a couple of different messages. And this happened on Thanksgiving morning. And it's it's a response to actually the Club Q, you know, that's the LGBTQ nightclub where mm-hmm. five people were killed, that shooting on November 19th, this defacing at Focus on the Family appears to be sort of a response to that. What did they What did they do? Was there any message left or anything like that on the sign? Right. So so that's why when I say, oh, it's, it's a response to that, here's the message. They actually spray painted, their blood is on your hands, five lives taken. So it's a direct response to those who were killed at club Q essentially blaming focus on the family Mm. for that shooting. Right. Which is, which is kind of uh, bizarre and strange, but, but that, that was the message that was painted all over the sign. It's a pretty big sign. And the message looks like it covers a good chunk of the sign. Yeah, It feels like a stretch, but again, we talked about it last, uh, last week, the view talking about it, um, that incident and that horrible shooting, they that's just one media outlet that was essentially insinuating that Christians and their beliefs are causing these anti-gay 
sentiments around the country that which they say lead to shootings and things of that nature. But obviously the facts, as we saw playing out in that story, are telling a different story. But what are police saying uh, here? Yeah, so the police right now, they are they're investigating it. Um, a sergeant uh, told the Gazette, a local outlet there in Colorado, that they went out to investigate if a crime took place and they have no suspect at this time. So the police haven't said a lot. Um, but we actually, there's apparently a group that's claiming responsibility for it. Now, of course we have to tread lightly with this because it's a Twitter account, um, Colorado people's press and that account, I guess it's, you know, local news or whatever. They, they published a statement purportedly coming from the group responsible for this. And that group said they blamed focus on the family for quote, incredible violence against the LGBTQ community. And they said, quote, it's no accident that this happened in Colorado Springs, a city steeped in homophobia, transphobia, and white supremacy. It is no surprise that someone did this in the city that is home to such a hateful organization as focus on the family. So Mm -hmm. they, yeah, they basically said, look, sorry if you don't like what we did, but we felt like we needed to do this. Has focus on the family responded at all? Uh, yes. Interestingly, they have responded. Jim Daly is the president there. And I actually want to focus first on the fact that right after the shooting, because keep in mind again, and I think it was implicit here, but I'll just mention focus on the family is in Colorado Springs, right near where club yeah. Q, where the shooting happened. Right. So that's what makes this anyway. But, but Jim Daly, president of the organization went out right after the shooting and said that they were mourning for the community praying before the sign was defaced. Mm. Um, and he said, he said, look, I think in a pluralistic culture now the idea is how do we all live without treading on each other and i thought that was an interesting statement but after the defacing of the sign um you know that the organization said look we recognize the community's hurting in the aftermath of this reckless and violent action um this is a time for prayer grieving and healing not vandalism and the spreading of hate so that was an interesting uh, reaction they encouraged prayer and they encouraged prayer for the individual or the group who was responsible for the defacing as well which speaks to what you were saying before Trey about, you know, just loving others and how we respond in these difficult scenarios. I have to mention one more quick thing though. Yeah. Um, In addition to the defacing and a lot of the outlets didn't mention this. If you look at some of the photos at the bottom, there was like a a long plaque that they put up and it actually has, it's a verse, it's second Corinthians 11, 14 to 15. It's the verse about Satan masquerading as an angel of light. And they mentioned this in the, in the statement as well, basically calling focus in the family evil, right? That, <laughs> that, and using the Bible, actually putting this big oh, Bible verse up there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's not, we've talked about this a lot, but I mean, when you don't have a moral underpinning, it's kind of ironic to sit there and call something evil when you have absolutely no basis for that. Um, but they don't seem to think those things out very much on these issues. Uh, it's it's I again, I think it's just part of this rhetoric that's going on against Christians. And you hear it from a lot of people kind of singling out Christians as hateful when that's not at all what is at the heart behind behind most Christians out there. I think that there's there's this the world that we live in now is so relative. So it's like whatever yeah. your truth is, you you live however you want to and I live however I want to. Uh, and then the secular world tries to to act as if they're this objective uh, the media in particular is, is is this objective organization and and you know there is no uh, there is no middle ground uh but uh, or or that the, the, there is no you know one way or the other. But the reality is is that you're picking 
picking a side, right? Our culture yeah. is picking a side, and they're picking a side that's often skewed against Christianity. And we see it lived out this way in, in these attacks only on Christians over and over and over again. The censorship on, on social media is almost always Christians or conservatives. So everything is skewed in one direction. So to act as if you know there's this objective middle ground the reality is there's not. No, there's not. And um, you look, I think we can just safely say we can't expect to see that issue and that inconsistency resolved anytime soon, certainly not in our lifetime. So it's just a matter of getting used to dealing with it. And how do we respond in grace, as you were talking about earlier, Trey, and, and as we talked about in this story with uh, Jim Daly's response and focus on the family's response, um, that's all we can do, right, is speak truth and keep moving forward and let God sort out the rest. And that's it seems like that's about where we can let this thing land in most of these cases because you know unbelievers are just going to have their eyes closed they're not they're not going to be able to see this stuff um unless God's op- opens their eyes and so that's one thing we can be praying for for sure but thanks for bringing uh, that one to us Billy that's going to lead us into our main thing and another group that's facing uh, kind of hatred and attacks anti-semitism is on the rise well, Madison Seals spoke with Rabbi Cooper with the Simon Weisenthal Center about it and talking also about how Twitter could potentially play a key role in helping reduce or even stop anti-Semitism. So that's today's main thing. Welcome back into today's main thing. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And coming off of Thanksgiving week, one of the things that I'm most thankful for in this country is religious freedom. Our First Amendment protects our right to free speech along with the practice or exercise of our faith, making these things central to the future of our constitutional republic. But the protection of these rights is ongoing, as we've seen with battles over censorship and, as we're talking about today, combating anti-Semitism. So here with me to discuss some of these efforts is Rabbi Abraham Cooper, Associate Dean and Director of Social Global Action for a leading Jewish human rights organization, the Simon Wiesenthal Center. Thanks for joining me today, Rabbi Cooper. Thank you, and I hope you had a nice holiday. For those who are unfamiliar with your organization, can you start by telling us a little bit about what you do at the center? Yes, that would be my honor. So we're named, we were named originally in honor of Simon Wiesenthal. He was the late great Nazi hunter. He and his wife lost 89 members of their family in the Nazi Holocaust. Wiesenthal himself barely survived. He was liberated by U.S. soldiers in May 1945 from the Mauthaus concentration camp in what is today uh, Austria. Initially, our focus, of course, was on helping to bring the perpetrators of uh, the Holocaust, that genocide before the bar of justice. Today, we still have one of our staff members who devotes his time completely to that task. We never thought at this stage we'd be looking at uh, perpetrators in their 90s, but as Mr. Wiesenthal said, and I think as the world has learned, every trial of a perpetrator of uh, genocide is a warning and an education to future generations. So that was our original uh, focus, to remind the world about what happened in World War II, to learn and apply the lessons from the Nazi Holocaust to our contemporary lives, and more generally to defend the rights of the Jewish people, combat anti-Semitism in recent decades also a firm commitment to protecting the rights of religious minorities all over the world. And this is an area also that not only has been involved in that issue at the Simon Wiesenthal Center, 
but I'm honored that I am currently the vice chair of the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom. So for us, freedom of religion is a kind of litmus test for the health of uh, our democracy and countries around the world. And unfortunately, uh, while everybody hoped that anti-Semitism, the hatred of Jews, you know, would have ended when people saw what happened at Auschwitz, what happened in World War II, what happened to Anne Frank and a million and a half other Jewish children, here we are in the 21st century with uh, surging anti-Semitism on both sides of the Atlantic. Yeah, the work you do is so important. And the Simon Wiesenthal Center, or SWC as we'll call it, joined 180 other civil rights groups from around the world and calling on Twitter to adopt the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, or IHRA, definition of anti-Semitism. Before we get into the examples of this, I want to talk about what anti-Semitism is. And I'm sure most, if not all of our listeners are familiar with the term, but what is the working definition that IHRA came up with, and why was a new definition necessary? Well, it's a fair question. Uh, I think the main reason for coming up with the definition is that when we would deal with governments overseas or with United States campuses, with the heads of some of the elite universities, when we had anti-Semitic hate crimes or intimidation against Jews, a lot of people just said, well, we don't really have a working definition of where, for example, legitimate criticism of the Jewish state ends and where anti-Semitism begins. And as a result, there is this definition, I'm not going to go into it in detail, other than to say the following. When you apply a double standard against the group or against an individual because they happen to be Jewish, meaning for anyone else, that kind of behavior would be acceptable, but uh, Jews have to live up to a different standard, that's definitely anti-Semitism. When you have demonization of the Jewish state, delitimization of uh, the Jewish state, and the reason I'm starting with Israel is because today the world's largest Jewish population resides in the Jewish state of Israel. There are now nearly 10 million citizens in that country, 80% of whom are Jews. And a lot of the anti-Semitic intimidation, hatred, and hate crimes around the world today focuses or is instigated or is accelerated by people who are opposed to the idea of a Jewish state. In other words, ask any Israeli cab driver, any member of Knesset, there's no state, not the United States, not Israel, and any democracy that should be above criticism. But what we're suffering right now is the calling out of Israel and Israel only when it comes to the uh, issues real and imagined of alleged human rights violations. In addition to that, unfortunately, in the 21st century, we still have people who deny that the Nazi Holocaust even took place. And many of them are, are what we call neo-Nazis. Some of the conspiracy groups uh, also embrace the Holocaust didn't happen. It was all made up. You can't trust Jewish people. They're all a bunch of liars. Even though we have tons of footage and literally mountains of documentation on the Nazi Holocaust. I think it's safe to say that Holocaust denial, which is a staple also on social media among hate groups and hate individuals, their basic approach is the Holocaust didn't happen and given half a chance, they'd like to finish the job. And then we have you know, members of Congress from the squad 
from Linda Sarsour, from, from the left, from progressives, who basically uh, say that if you're a Zionist, meaning a supporter of the idea of a Jewish state, and that means not only Jews, but plenty of your listeners, then you would have to leave that part of your identity outside if you wanted to be included as someone who is a legitimate uh, member of the progressive movements. So we get it from the left, we get it from the right, and believe it or not, today, there are Jewish men and women in big cities like New York, which has the largest Jewish population, in Chicago, in Los Angeles, who hide or try to hide their Jewish identity in public. If they have a piece of jewelry with the Star of David, or they take off their kippah, or are even concerned about their safety going to and from the synagogues on the Sabbath. Our communities are very much on edge right now. In fact, back in February, I wrote a letter to Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI, urging for the creation of a uh, special uh, task force on anti-Semitism, which hasn't happened yet. And yet, just last week, FBI Director Ray himself said that anti-Semitism is rampant in the United States. So I think one last point that's very important to, to emphasize is that Jewish people cannot defeat anti-Semitism alone. We're the targets of hatred, but if we're gonna beat it in a place, the world's greatest democracy, and I would argue the greatest society anywhere today with all of our flaws in the world, we need help from our neighbors uh, we need help from our elected officials and law enforcement to hold anti-Semites accountable. And especially on campuses, there seems to be sort of two rules. One, where you have most universities today in the United States say they want an intimidation-free environment for all their students. They want a free exchange of ideas. That whole approach and put in writing, actually, in many campuses, seems to end when the idea that you hold happens to be identifying with the Jewish people and with the Jewish state of Israel. So when we talk about anti-Semitism, some of it is domestic, some of it comes from old theological ideas, the deicide, the Jews kill Jesus, all the way to uh, what's going on today, especially on social media, where you have these lurid conspiracy theories that the uh, Asian Americans and Jews are somehow linked to COVID-19. You name the crisis and someone's going to come along and blame a minority, in this case, Jews. But it, it's no longer sort of like on the outside looking in in terms of our society. Because of social media especially, these ideas and these threats are now posted 24-7 in the mainstream of our culture, which for better or for worse is dominated by the internet and social media. And we're about out of time for today, but can you tell our listeners where they can find out more about the Simon Wiesenthal Center? Right. Well, the best way is just to go to our website at wiesenthal.com. That's W-I-E-S-E-N-T-H-A-L.com. And if I may just also add that I've been at this work for 45 years. But it's not all doom and gloom. I just uh, came back from the Gulf states and Israel and sat just a few yards away from Pope Francis, the king of Bahrain, who's a Muslim, and the head of the Al-Azhar University in Cairo, talking about uh, religious uh, freedom, religious equality, and to hear those ideas finally promoted in the Arab and Muslim world is something that we as Jews and Christians, we need to um, work hard to spread 
that approach throughout the Arab and Muslim world and way, way beyond it. It's fascinating to see that people of different faiths are coming to the same conclusion. We're, those of us who are believers, uh, our job is to bring blessing to the world and not, and not the opposite. And right now, we're not doing such a great job. So uh, people shouldn't be surprised that individuals who have rabbinic titles or pastors or imams are in the lead on sort of this counterattack because we know in America, any religious group that's targeted means that the next house of faith, a church, a mosque, a temple, is not as safe as it was the day before. So we're all in this boat together, very blessed uh, that we live in, in the world's greatest democracy. But as Mr. Wiesenthal himself often said, freedom is not a gift from heaven. It has to be fought for and earned every day. Yes, absolutely. Well, Rabbi Cooper, thank you for all the work that you're doing here in the U.S. and internationally. And thanks for joining me on the podcast today to break this down for us. All the best, Madison. Nice meeting you. All right, Madison, thanks so much for that conversation there. And that leaves us with time for one last thing. Yeah, so we're looking at Hebrews 11, 1 this morning. It says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what's not seen. You know, I, obviously I'm obsessed with Christmas as we've covered over <laughs> yeah. and over and over again here. But so as we're moving into the holiday season, obviously at the center of everything is the coming of Christ. And it just is a story that's so uh, so countercultural and, and just doesn't make sense to our human thinking. Uh, and the reality is something that I've been thinking about is there's never going to be enough evidence to convince us, right? We could have been there in the flesh and watched it all happen. And our sinful thinking, we still wouldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. So we have to have the Holy Spirit uh, to empower us, to give us that faith uh, in order to commit to what we believe, because there's never going to be enough quote unquote facts or proof. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And I, mean, I was just reading through John 12 and you look at the Pharisees there and a lot of the people we're seeing Jesus is like, look, I'm, I'm showing you all these signs and you don't believe. So um, it's just part of life that it's a reality that and people say that, well, just show me the evidence. But as we see in Scripture, it doesn't matter. There's no amount of evidence that you could present to people that um, is going to turn them over. They're going to still have hardened hearts. But that that's why faith is so important, because we're trusting in what we can't see. We're not looking for this demand and demanding um, that the creator of the universe give us sufficient evidence, putting us in the judgment seat. You know, that's not not the way it works. Well, and Romans one twenty tells us, you know, that basically God's invisible qualities are everywhere. Yeah. And so none of us no have excuse. an excuse, right? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, guys, that is where we're going to leave it for today. Uh, good job on a Monday episode on the turkey comas, on the hangover of holidays, all that stuff. <laughs> you know, we made it through. We made it through. Hopefully you are all doing the same at home. And um, as always, head on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com. You get more news from a Christian perspective. We're covering it all. So Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We're going to be back here tomorrow with more of the same. God bless. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. <laughs>